Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hello, guys. So, I've got Alicia Gowan. Just been a strong week, and I'm finishing this week off on fire. So, um, how are you doing, Alicia? I'm really, really good, and thank you so much for having me. The weather in Sydney has not turned it on, however, but otherwise, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, good stuff. The weather's not quite as good as what it is oh up where you're from. Nice. No, it's been no, slipping a bit, haven't it? It's definitely not. We, we landed here and straight into rain, and it's been raining ever since. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I walk everywhere. So, walking from the, the Darling Harbour across to the EHP studio, it's just like, oh my God, I'm getting drenched. Yeah, getting drenched. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> just un- unpredictable. We haven't had any rain for ages. And then it just obviously pours down. Uh, but um, did it just for me? <laughs> like, so, so I was going to say, tell, tell us what you're doing um, uh, down down in Sydney at the moment. Anyway, Alicia. Look, I'm um, I'm in Sydney twice a month, every single month. I obviously here with work with with clients, but also for my specialist team, which I know that you know we've bantered about before on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a specialist team based in Sydney that basically look after the rehabilitation of my back post my injury, and um, I work with them, you know, sort of twice a month, and it keeps me in check on route. To, to the world stage as you know mm-hmm. I'm preparing for that I'm nine weeks out on Saturday which is very exciting wow. and, um, and and you know staying on top of this has been very important because we've started to do squats and deads again which is something that I was told I would never do ever again for the rest of my life yeah. and um, you know we've started being able to do that as of December last year progressively getting better across the course of this year and uh, it's just it's been look it's been amazing and these amazing. guys just keep me all together in one piece pretty much so that's incredible so I'm here with them and then here with the HP labs so I spend a fair bit of time at the headquarters here when I went down in Sydney we do a lot of recording a mm-hmm. lot of um you know, a lot of work with the team over um, some of the stuff in the gym. We go through instructional videos and workouts and then just talk shop on all things SUPS and health and nutrition, really. Mm. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah so you've got an injury now. Um, what, so obviously, you, you, you know, just, if you could just first of all, oh, before we go into your injury, we'll talk about that because I'm intrigued, especially about the squat and deadlift thing. The fact that you're back on the uh, king and queen of all exercises. Yeah. Uh, that should be interesting, the response you get. But no, um, if you could just share with us exactly um, your story and your background, Alicia if you could yeah sure so I am the current and two-time WBFF world fitness champion I have a long-standing history in competing and you know look I I took it very seriously when I started the the world of bodybuilding and decided that the WBFF from day one was, was where I was going um, everything about them, the physiques, the shape, the glitz, the glamour, you know, I love the fact that everything everything about that um, brand screams health and health and fitness, you know. The finishes on stage and the physiques that we present on stage, they're really, they're not emaciated. They're not, you know, um, dieted hard. They're, they're, they look like you just walked off the beach or out of the gym and stepped straight on stage. And, and that was always really enticing for me, you know, the fact that I could live my lifestyle and something I was passionate about instead of having mm. to fit inside of a box really excited me. So I took it so seriously, though, the tagline of the best of the best that I, um, you know, went out and became Miss Fitness Australia for IMBA first and then competed overseas for that federation before um, finally having the WBFF come to the Australian Shores. And I was part of the very first Australian, you know, the very first Australian show, which was very exciting. Got my pro card here on Australian soil, which surprised me because I really thought I'd probably have to be achieving that overseas. And, and mm. I had been um, prepping for the LA show before they, you know, announced and, and I got an invite to um to attend the one here. And so that's it. That's It's been WBFF all in for me. Wow. I, I eat, breathe, sleep, and uh, I feel it's on repeat. But, um, yeah, no, no. but I love everything about it. And, you know, this will be coming into my sixth year as a pro, you know, um, the first the first two years for me coming from an amateur into a um, pro level of competing. It was such a shift, you know, going from being – you know, um, I guess quite developed and profiled here to them being a small goldfish in a very large ocean mm-hmm, yeah. and having to, you know, um, I guess progress my physique and bring something, you know, such such a, another level. You have to level up. Mm. So for me, you know, the whole process for the first two years was all about finding where I sat, finding where my physique was um, requiring, you know, more work and then really just getting back to the drawing board in, in the gym. But it was in the, the second year as a pro and post, um, you know, my second Worlds that I actually sustained the injury that I had, which is what I'm still sort of rehabilitating from at this point in time. I broke my back in a squat like a it, – it was it was a devastating injury. Broke your back? Broken. Pars fractures like oh my up days. my elf, You must have been shifting some weight, yeah? And you know what? I was actually, because it was only two weeks post, um, as you know, you come out of a show and, you know, look, you are 
it takes time. It takes time. Like yeah. you compromise. You, you know, your mm. body's been at its lowest level of body fat. Mm. You've been, you know, over-dieted, over-trained. Mm. You come out the back end of it, and me being me, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to straight back into the gym because I don't, I don't know how to take time off. Mm. And, um, and look, I just think that it was just a, a probably a myriad of factors, and it, it all culminated to a perfect storm that day. And I was tight in the adductor and in, in my warm-up round. So I was only, it was only 60 kilos on my back, and it was my warm-up weight. Perfect form, so there was nothing in that regard. I just had the, the adductor pulled tight, and basically I had a rotation on my hip. So on the right side, my hip rotated forward. My piriformis locked on, on, on my left side. My my hips just basically rotated forwards, backwards like that. And under the pressure at the bottom range of the squat, it just you could hear the crack across the, the room. Was, oh, my yeah, goodness. And I just dropped the bar, and my girlfriend that was in the gym with me at the time was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just on the ground. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I'm like, no. Oh, Christos was teasing me for, and even to this day, it's a running joke that I should have played basketball that day because the boys are all in the gym playing ball, and I decided, no, I'm definitely going to go squat. Went with my girlfriend and, and instead walk. Actually, I couldn't even walk. She was like carrying me into the room where he was <laughs> to say, I think we've done something. Oh my days. <laughs> what what yeah. bone did you actually break there? So what bones L4, did you break? My L4, L5. Wow. It was past fractures in my L4, L5. That's crazy. But it wasn't, it wasn't just that. You know, that would have been nice if it was just that because, you know, obviously fractures heal. What happened though was I ended up with a, with a multi tiered bilateral bulging disc structure. So mm. basically, both sides. Out of the L4, L5, L, so L4 down to L, um, sorry, L5 down to S1 it was, so it was all of them out mm-hmm. both sides and into my nerve roots. Ouch. So it was. That's got to be painful. Absolutely horrendous. Mm. So, you know, look, for, for the next three years, up until December, just gone, I lived with, um, you know, daily chronic pain. So it was an extremely, uh, difficult journey because you know in that time obviously as you know I was really really bit rehabilitating coming back to stage and I was winning titles you know so to the outside world I guess for a lot of people they had no idea what was actually going on mm. um, I shared ended up getting to the point where I started to share my journey you know quite openly on on public sort of forums because I was having a lot of people that were really resonating with the fact that you know look lower back pain and, and I guess back issues as a whole are pretty common for mm. people they're nowhere near the extent of what I had had, right? Mm. But I guess it gave people hope to watch the ability for me to rehabilitate what I had rehabilitated mm. and still be able to achieve these things. So the irony of it is, is that I was achieving all these things with no squats and no deads because mm. I'd been told when I did the injury that I'd never be able to squat and deadlift again because mm. of you know how severe it was and, uh, and vertically loading basically was out. So I went, oh, well, I'm fine. I'm going to get there without that. And I basically did everything I could around it to still make it a stage and, and still, you know, achieve a winning. Wow. Thing. So you actually worked around yeah. that, a broken back, essentially. Obviously, yeah. it was repairing, but there's only so much, you know, it can sometimes that's kind of irreversible. Some of the damage you could do there, obviously, you can repair it because you're, you know, you're fit and strong. But, to, you know, to a certain extent, like that is tough to repair, right? So, yeah, it, was, it took so much time. And then, and then it's one of those situations where, you know, look, for the first sort of two years post, you know, doing it, it's the disc issues that were actually ongoing. So, mm. you know, like, oh God, Martin, just even sneezing or coughing would be a massive issue for me. So I, I'd, I'd get a cold and I'd automatically go into anxiety attacks. Because I'd be like, oh, oh my God, you know I'm going to sneeze. Coming. And I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to pop this out again. And so that's exactly what happened to me 17 weeks out from Last Worlds. We're on the plane flight home. You're in a seat of positions. Everything's contracted. So everything's, you know, it's not optimal for you, right? Mm. And I, I had bronchi- um, bronchitis that mm. I'd gotten while we were away and sneezed and coughed and blew another disc out. And so from oh. 17 weeks out, I was unable How to... How many weeks out? Seven. 17. 17, yeah. So, but even so, at that point, no, you're like, yeah, you're pretty exactly. much getting ready to go in deep, Exactly. Right? So that's when, you know, most Jeez. of the time your workload's increasing, you're saying, you know, your hypertrophy's there, mm. you're starting to maybe, maybe include, you know, small amounts of cardio at that point in time or at least not far off it. Mm. I couldn't do any cardio at all. Mm. The whole way through, like the literally... We were literally walking, but I could only walk so far because the mm. pelvis would basically rotate and mm-hmm. put more pressure on my disc. But then I couldn't even pose until the night before my show because at midnight, the, the night, night before, before show, your show, I'm working out my routine in my room, my hotel room, because I couldn't get any rotation and I wasn't getting to put my heels on yeah. because I might throw the back out. I'm like, I just need to get to stage. Yeah, so how did you get on that particular show? 
I won it. I won oh, that was the, that was the one. Second, that was the one. Second title just gone. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the one just gone. So that was the most recent show. Most recent show. Jeez, but I'd like to just um, talk a little bit more about what you said about you know competing with the WBFF. Yeah. Because for me, that was just a game changer. Just as you said as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I was I was in a similar boat in terms of I competed with. UK BFF, yes, who is yeah, yeah, like the like the IFBB. It's the same thing. It's just like the uh, branch off there. Anyway, and the shows were just rubbish shows. You know, what I mean, they were just so unorganised. The atmosphere was dead. And then I done so. I didn't get where I wanted to get. Anyway, long story short, I did like four or five shows, and I just wasn't getting there. So I thought, right, WBFF. People were saying, you know, you'll do well. And then um, my first WBFF show just blew me away. You know, yeah. I came. I think I came second. I just missed out on that pro card. And then six months later, I went and, and won the, the London one and then got the pro card. But it's just such an incredibly uh, entertaining, like exhilarating experience, isn't it? Eat, win or lose. Obviously, I mean, I don't know. I, I like to win, but I, I think you'd have a good experience either way, right? You do. You really do. And look, I think that's probably a few different reasons for that too. You know, it's it's the fact that it, it really is an expression of your own personality and individuality, mm. right? So you look at other brands and there's a very routine, everyone looks the same, everyone's going to wear the similar sort of trunks or, you know, um, outfits, you know, bikinis, it's all basic. And then you all have the exact same pose, the exact same thing, mm. right? Whereas within, within the WBFF, it's about bringing your best, showcasing your strengths, mitigating any weaknesses you've got, yep. but really it's your flair. So you can mm. get out and pose however you want. You can bring your entire expression to that stage. And then in that, what I love is that that gives you an opportunity to be picked up and, you know, for marketability reasons why, you know, mm. commercial organizations as a representative or an ambassador or a mm. sponsored athlete perhaps because of your personality and what you're presenting on stage. Mm. So, you know, Definitely. there's so much scope in, in, you know, I think having a career in, in fitness with your, you know, ability to compete with the WBFF. Mm. But then also on top of that, it's the way they look after their athletes, you know. Like, it's a show, it's production. It's like, you know, everyone's there to see you. You're mm. the main event. And so it's not – it's just not like – anything else you know no, like the, the lights the the mm. show that from registration night alone yeah yeah exactly when you turn up that really gets you yeah, going exactly. i remember that first ever registration exactly yeah you know, i don't know anywhere else that you rock up to registration like you would to an oscars exactly red down. carpet literally it is and like they think we're exaggerating but you've got red carpet right. you're dressed that's, i think that's the smartest i've ever dressed literally exactly for right. and, and, the, and the funny thing is you go to any other brand and they're rocking up with track pants and thongs. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I know. I like everyone just looking grumpy, and the vibes are just dead. Like at, at the federation, do you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, it's just it's a spectacle, isn't it? It's definitely it really a spectacle. Is. It really is. Um, I just wanted to talk a, a little bit about you know you're doing a show. You're obviously doing the world championship. I didn't realize it was that close. Actually, yeah, nine yeah, weeks away. Nine weeks out on Saturday. So wow. I know, right? Yeah, I know. So, I was just, just going to say, yeah, in terms of your your prep for that now, so. Talk to us a little, I'll go into my prep a little bit um, after you've talked about yours, but um, I wanted to get, you know, a little bit more detail on, like, where you're at now, because you've had all this experience now competing. Um, have you ever actually done a Wolds before? You've yeah, done, this will be my... Obviously, you've done a Wolds. What am I talking about? I should fifth. have done my research. <laughs> yeah, fifth, fifth Wolds. Yeah. Okay, then. All right, sorry about that. So, anyway, this is um, this is your fifth Wolds then, right? So, talk to us a little bit about your prep and how that's gone, and... Um, I'd like you to talk a little bit about you starting squats and deadlifts soon as well. But yeah, any any insight you've got for the listeners yeah, would be great. I think the, the game changer for me on this prep has been the fact that we actually could squat and deadlift again. Because, you know, as I said, we worked around every other variable from blood flow restriction training to basically just working with bands. Like, you name it, we did it with the most basic of stuff to rehabilitate, right? And now that I've got full movement, free range, and, um, you know, no longer suffering from this chronic pain every day, I've actually got the ability to start loading vertically. So putting squats and deads into the mix meant that I could do, you know, really good hybrid training. So we've mm -hmm. been able to do a blend of, you know, aesthetic-based bodybuilding, hypertrophy, then, you know, um, bringing in the compounds and some powerlifting-based movement. So it makes it, makes it enjoy enjoyable and fun, and it makes it not so boring. So, you know, the first part of prep looked like that. Now we're moving into the stage where it's definitely moving into, you know, volume-based training or hypertrophy. It's looking at conditioning. It's looking at the final tweaks now on the physique and the areas we're trying to bring up. And mm. obviously, you know, now it's about peeling back the layers. Yes, And the final sure. layers, and you start going into that, you know, fun deficit. So you mean peeling back the layers? Is a body fat, yeah, just exactly, for the listeners, exactly. Yeah. And it's where you have a situation like I did the other day where I look at my half a cup of oats in the bowl and I put it back into the measuring cup <laughs> and I shake it because I thought there must be air in it and there wasn't enough oats yeah. in the bowl. And I put it in the bowl and I'm like, oh my god, that really is a half a cup. You're like I literally, at, I look at Christmas three mouthfuls. And I went, 
That's literally a teaspoon. Mm. I don't even want to buy it. You should really use a teaspoon to eat it, shouldn't you? You should get a teaspoon and eat it really slowly because otherwise it's like three mouthfuls. Otherwise it's gone. You inhale it and it's over. It's like one breath. (laughs) Exactly. So So that's, you know, I guess that that's the stuff that you start to get to at this point. You know, you start to have your, you start to have your calorie cut. Your sort of first sort of cut for me came about three weeks ago. And, um, and it's a real adjustment at first, you know, Mm. especially when for me, this prep has been different because I've been able to do the big lips. I've kept my calories much higher. So I've been able to cruise in up until only three weeks ago for my first cut, which has been wow. amazing. I mean, I've been really happy with that because it means that, you know, my my output in the gym, my intensity in my sessions, my ability to keep pushing. Mm, max, I mean, the, maximize. Yeah, the ability to maximize my conditioning through the application of the training as opposed to starvation mm. has just been, oh, my God, so much better. Incredible. So so, better. so in terms of cardiovascular then, you um, haven't actually had to do a great deal of cardiovascular no. training, just movement. And I wanted to talk about that as well because um, – I feel like somewhere, it's, for some reason, it's almost like a kind of just like a thing for bodybuilders and bikini models to do cardio a lot of the time, like really far out from comp. And um, even when they're kind of like off season and stuff, they're still doing cardio, um, especially women. I don't, I don't find it as much with men, but I never really understand the logic behind that because like your body adapts when you're doing cardio in a exactly. way which is not ideally fav- favorable. So for me, personally, leading up to my shows in like I think 16, 17 weeks now, so I'm not planning on doing any cardio at all. So it's just going to be, and that's what I've done for the last show. Uh, I was literally just walking. And as you know, nutrition and weight training, when you get that right with the calorie deficit and whatnot, you can achieve it really without cardio, right? Yeah, but what, what would you say, I don't know, talk to us a little bit more about cardio and that kind of stuff in terms of getting in shape for a show. I think that a lot of people fall in the trap of using cardio as a way to um, mitigate food choices. Do you know what I mean? Like I mm. actually think that, for a lot of women, especially when you talk about the off-season component, I think mm. that it's that fear of letting go of the stage physique. Mm. And then I think it's also because they want to be having their, you know, cake and eat it too almost. Mm-hmm. And then they think that cardio is going to be the magic, you know, magic pill. And it doesn't really work that way because you're right. We get and we get a level of adaptation that happens for, you know, the output. So mm. the more that you're doing, the more the body's going to adapt to that. Not only that, you're increasing your inflammatory markers and you're also increasing cortisol. So you start having this, um, you know, laws of diminishing return. There's only so much that's actually good for you and then it starts actually, you know, peeling back on, on the benefit. Mm. Actually, there's research on it. I can't quote, you know, what that one was, but, you know, I'll find it later and send it to you. Yeah, great. But there was actually research around step count and actually the point within the law of diminishing return actually kicking in. And I believe that um, the numbers were around the 12K mark, the sort of mm. around that mark, you could jump up, um, you know, in, in sort of brackets for a period of time, but then you're best off stepping back. So mm. almost like you do with a diet break on nutrition, you know, going through the, the hypercaloric and then having that little diet break mm. does the same sort of thing. So, you know, maybe jumping up and then peeling those steps back. So mm. you actually give the body the ability to, you know, rest and recuperate. And you mm-hmm. also aren't hitting that point of the bell curve when then you're coming back down the other side and it's in a diminishing return because it does happen. Yep. So I'm a big believer like you that cardio should be used as a tool mm-hmm. in the final stages or maybe just to crisp something up. Yeah. Um, and maybe if you are nursing an injury and you can't necessarily push as intensely or get out the volume inside mm-hmm. the, the gym in your sessions. And and look, I also feel the same way about, you know, not removing carbohydrates as well because it's the same deal. You want you want to be able to keep an element of carbohydrates in to fuel those lifts mm-hmm. because those lifts are what's going to actually tighten and, and you know, reduce your body fat mm. more so than just relying on a, on a cardiovascular basis because mm. you know you're right you do you adapt to that absolutely yeah and i was just going to say about weight training as well and stuff so just trying to relate to the average person right so just with with where you're at now so I guess at this point now, you're nine weeks out. You, how long ago did you start cutting? And just for the audience, you know, yeah. cutting is when you're you're trying to get leaner and lose body fat and achieve a calorie deficit. So probably three weeks ago, we, yeah. we took the first cut down. Um, okay, and we're so we're maintaining that now for at least the next probably week or two. Yeah. Um, in that time frame, though, obviously from now through to stage, it's a little bit different to the to the normal sort of lifestyle programming in the sense where you know your resting metabolic rate is going to adjust as mm. your body fat levels adjust, and yeah. you know as the the, the tissue. Drops and there's thermogenic, um, you know, the thermogenesis basically reduces as a result of that. Then we've got to start modifying the nutrition component because yeah. you need less, right? Um, and so, you know, you start to see those things happen. But you try not to make too many adjustments and you try to look at, you know, other factors. It's like the two sides of the coin. You can make an adjustment on nutrition you can make an adjustment on training. Mm. You don't want to make an adjustment on both at the same time mm. as much as you can. Mm. And so for me, you know, at the moment we've made the adjustment on the nutrition. That now sort of, you know, flatlines for a couple of weeks and we're going to adjust 
what we're doing, we've increased output um, on the other side of the coin with the training and the cool. volume. So, you know, walking the chocolates, and the chocolates are my dogs, Crunchy and Cadbury. <laughs> we walk the chocolates every morning. You serious? No, oh, wow. Well, I thought you were messing around that. I, I like that. I have a toy caboodle, and I have a mini dash hound, and they are both little chocolate-colored, little <laughs> beautiful little things. And so on my daily habit tracker, which this is something interesting, I think, for everyone that's listening, um, success really is bred, I believe, through the application of daily habits and rituals, right? That's, that's how you – that's how you get through days where you're waning in motivation or energy or, you know, you're just literally at a point where, you know, maybe you've got to dig deep, especially in this prep process. Trust me, there's a lot of those moments. So, mm. you know, I find that having these habitual rituals really prevents you from falling out of that and it really makes sure you tick all the boxes. So for me, I've got um, an app on my phone. There's a habit tracker, an everyday habit tracker, and the very first habit when you open it is walk chocolates. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't eaten your dog at the shows. I said, actually, I sent a message one day and it was one of my coaches on my team. They're like, what are you doing? And I said, walking chocolates. And he thought I said walking for chocolate and he goes, don't you mean chicken and broccoli? And I'm like, no. He thinks you're going to slip up. That is not my dog's name. <laughs> so walking chocolates is the first thing. And and, you know, that's the only cardio we do at the moment. And that's, you know, look, it's just it's how I start my day. Mm. It's for the health of my animals more than yeah. anything and, else. And your mind as well. Let's just talk about what right. it does for your mind and your energy right. levels, just movement. And, like, the people who have the best longevity and the healthiest lives generally tend to right. not do crazy cardio. They just generally tend to walk more and, and move more, right? So that's important for overall wellness as, as well, right? Exactly. Sure? It totally is. Totally is. And, look, I think, you know, the first thing in the morning doing a walk like that with, with the puppies also gives me the time to get, you know, a little bit of either clarity around my day, you know, I'll either put on a good podcast while I'm walking and listen to something that's, you know, nurturing, you know, my journey and adding value to me, or I'll be having a conversation with my fiance, you know, connecting in. So, mm. you know, I use it for a point for me to be able to be out in the sunshine. So the circadian rhythms are in check, you know, I'm, I'm getting the blood flow moving. I'm actually starting to, you know, function for my day, but I'm also then looking at, you know, planning for my day. Either I'll be mentally ticking boxes or I'm listening to something where I'm having, you know, a, mm. a relationship connection because mm. I find that, you know, if you are disconnected from anything in life and that's a disconnect from, you know, your business, your work, your family, your mm. partner, I find that success is really hard to, to get. 100%. You know, it's a massive pillar of health. And I always talk about the four pillars of health and people forget about the relationships and the social side. They so do. They so do. So in the prep process in particular, it's the biggest thing that I think, you know, can bring people undone is they mm. all of a sudden start feeling Sacrifice. disconnected, yeah, to their yeah. family. And you know what? This is the other thing that I always say. It doesn't have to be about food, you know, yeah. like, a connection is literally just making time for someone. A connection is basically having a conversation with someone that makes them feel like mm. they're important to you, you're important to them. Yeah, like and a meaningful interaction exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, look, if, if it's going to be your goal to be at a composition on stage to be judged in that capacity, yeah. then then connect over that too. Mm. You know, maybe take your partner to the gym, take your partner, you know, on your walks, mm. you know, get them involved in the process. Mm. You know, and I'm really great. I've got a great support network. My family is really involved in my process. They've, mm. you know, supported me my whole career. And my fiancé is amazing. So, you know, we – walking the chocolates and walking my fiancé is like what I do in the morning. It's the only cardio. And then yeah. I think, look, um, in the next probably week or two, I will incorporate three sessions a week of like post-hit, um, post-weights hit. Um, and it will literally be like five, ten minutes max, but it will be at a it'll be at a max heart rate level. So mm. I'll wear my heart rate monitor and I'll make sure that I'm and I, you tr I trust mm. me, if you've ever done it, yes, thank you. I'm glad you talk level, about this. This is ridiculous. Like true yeah. people don't do it right, do they? Eighty percent of people, ninety percent is like. Nothing. Nothing. And people think. How long? Yeah, sorry. How long did you see? Because I'll do that as well. I tell yeah. a lie. On my last show, I did actually throw hit in. It's a tool I do use occasionally. Mm -hmm. I threw hit in at the end because hit has so many benefits. Um, but obviously, it's one of those things where it is what it says it is, right? It's high intensity and it does yeah. take its toll on your nervous system and metabolism. But <clears throat> talk to us a little bit more about that. So you'll you'll throw hit in. At what point towards the end did you say just well, to ramp it up? Well, in the next two weeks. Okay. So have me in about like eight weeks out. Mm, it's kind of an experiment then as well, isn't it, right? Correct. Yeah. And it, it, See how you respond. It also allows me to be ready early so that then we can literally yeah. carb into show, right? Mm. So When you say carb into show, you mean you can just kind of like you can allow yourself yeah. to have more calories in general as I well, will, right? I will taper back on the training, reduce the inflammation, and increase the nutrition in particular in carbohydrates wow. just to basically fill everything out. Because yeah. if you're in the right level of condition, you can do that. You're not mm. chasing you know, body fat reduction all the way through and you're, yeah. not, you're not doing these drastic aggressive you know cardiovascular strategies at the end mm. where then you just you just fried you know your central mm. nervous system is fried 
your cortisol's raised, like you, you're not sleeping and you're wondering why, like all those things start to happen. So no, like that whole concept of more being more is so, such a myth, you know, less is more a lot yeah. of the time. Glad you said that. And so, you know, I think getting people to understand that two sides of the coin, you've got to give from one to, to, to take from the other. Mm. You've got to, you know, it, it's really Something's got to give, isn't it? At some point, if you, exactly. yeah, definitely. But think about like those, you know, those scales you see, you know, the balancing of the scales, mm. it's really much like that. You know, you've got to make sure that I prioritize sleep and recovery over everything else mm. sleep is my number one thing i make sure that i'm in bed at a reasonable hour and if i'm not i make sure i give myself a sleep in the morning like mm. i don't push the early start if i haven't had my seven eight hours i monitor all of my data with my aura ring and check you know how variability and mm. how things are tracking for me because it shows me quite a lot and then i you know i just prioritize my morning rituals that include you know like walking the dog and getting my day started but also i do some you know meditations and some mm. gratitude Great. journaling because they they really do set you up for the day it's it's what i call my um, pns inputs so my parasympathetic nervous system inputs which then help to you know calm your central nervous system I mean, when you think about it we're putting ourselves in our central nervous system under dress every single day, just yeah. daily activity. Even just getting caught in traffic in your car mm. can get your heart rate elevated, mm. everything pumping. And just, and just driving and in general. Exactly. And people don't realize that's a mild stressor, right? But, yeah, exactly. and, and that's and I'm glad you said that because about gratitude, you know, um, that's when it's a chance for you to, either, you know, the gratitude and meditation comes in handy because it's like I can either sit here and whinge and shout at the people and over a situation I can't change yeah. and get stressed out. Or I can just sit here and, and, and look at it as a chance to have a bit of, you know what I mean? I know it sounds exactly. a bit, but it's, do, do you find it's, that? It's cliche, but it's it's very true. Mm. And, and there's no, you can't get any benefit out of getting upset and worked up out, over someone else's either actions you can't control or mm. a situation that's out of, your, out of your realm, you know what I mean? So mm. I find that these little things that you do that help feed that central nervous system and calm everything down, especially when you're in a, in a position for prep where you're constantly putting your body under stress mm. and stress, you're constantly, you know, inflaming it with your work. And mm. your training schedules, and then you're actually starving it technically. Yeah, that's right. In constant because your, your body. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that actually, because like just for the listeners, that your body doesn't want to be there, right? right? When you're doing a prep for a show, there's one thing like. You can look at a guy on a beach who's about maybe like 10% body fat and you can look, you know, people can look and go, wow, that he's an incredible shape. Look at the shape on him, right? Yeah. But if you got on stage, you get nowhere. You get like laughed at, right? Yeah, exactly. Because a guy on stage has to be, you know, under 6% minimum, right? Yeah, it's and, crazy. And the same goes for a woman, right? So a yeah. woman could be like, let's just say 17, 18% on the beach and look insane on a stage, yeah. get blown away, right? Yeah. So yeah. talk a little bit more about that because people don't, I think a lot of people don't quite realize, it's, it's growing still, right? It's competitive right. game. Look, the, I guess the analogy I always talk about with my team too is that it's it's like climbing to Everest, right? Mm. You can climb to um, base camp and you can live there and it's uncomfortable and it's still, you know, a little dangerous, but it's not as dangerous as climbing to the summit, right? Mm -hmm. So I say that, you know, for people that are in prep, and this is when, you know, you take the girl off the beach and then you put her into a prep process to get her ready for a condition, apply for a condition for stage. And this is why it's important you can't live at stage lean ongoing. And, you know, hopefully this analogy will make sense to everyone as to why. Because the conditions on the physique and the body and the way the body wants to hold its set point, it does not want to get that lean. It's not safe for it, right? It's there to be able to reproduce. We, we limit our, you know, reproductive environment when we start playing with these things at these really low levels of body fat. So basically we've climbed to, you know, base camp we're chilling there and that's kind of you know partway through the prep process and I would say you're still sort of at campsite four until probably about six weeks out from the stage and then from six weeks through to stage day you are literally taking that to the summit climb and it is treacherous there are so many things that can go wrong it's really you know quite taxing on your health mm. it's going to it's going to be so you know demanding on you physically mentally emotionally that is prep that's the final six weeks you hit stage stage is the moment that you put your flag at the top of the summit and you get your picture and then guess what happens as soon as stage is over you get the hell down mm -hmm. you climb back down you reverse out of that stage you get to campsite four and that's probably about week four after stage mm -hmm. you gain a little bit you're starting to find an element of homeostasis starting to come back your body's starting to recover we call it a recovery phase a lot of the time mm. because it really legitimately is and then you acclimatize and start you know descending down to you know the rest of reality and the rest of the planet but that's really you know what a prep process looks like it's it's incredibly taxing and it's a journey that will challenge you on every level and it is something where you cannot live at that level of stage lean that subpar levels of percentage of body fat mm -hmm. we're not designed to sit at that all year round mm. you know the body will do everything it can in its power to become 
more efficient, compensatory mm. level of efficiency 100%. too. So then you get that adaptation on so many levels and basically it's like going up to your furnace. If you think about your metabolism like a big raging fire and throwing water on it. Yeah, and just it's killing it. And, that, and that's talking, talking about cardio because that is essentially what happens with cardio, right, is if, you, if you're doing it all the time, you're sending a signal to the body, uh, it gets efficient at actually burning calories, mm-hmm. but the rest of metabolism will then slow down to compensate because yeah. you're telling the body, let's get good at burning cal- calories yeah. manually, Whereas when you lift weights and build muscle and build metabolism, you're automatically burning more calories. So you, so that's. Mm-hmm. I, but I love that analogy about Everest. And mm-hmm. what I wanted to say was about you know um, character building because mm-hmm. talking about like lifting weights and, and training in general, right? It's, yeah. it's so it's so black and white. That's what I love about training is you know you you you're consistent. You put the discipline in, yeah. um, you know, you, you you put the work in, should I say, and you get results. It's black and white. And it builds your character. So obviously you build a body. That's that's yeah. like, uh, as I said on your podcast, it's like a byproduct of, of good health and taking care of yourself. It really is. But how would, you, um, how would you describe that? Because obviously um, just at the start of your journey, firstly, how long have you been lifting weights for? Oh, 18 years. 18 years. Yeah, okay. Long yeah, long, longer than me by, yeah. by two years. Damn. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I, and I fell into it, you know, Everyone listening, I fell into it because it was actually, I was a prima donna ballerina, so 44 kilos ringing wet when I started bodybuilding. And I fell into the the love of, of weights and weight training mm. because I actually had an injury and I was rehabilitating the injury. And, from um, sport? Was that from playing yeah, sport? From, it was actually from ballet. So, yeah, okay. You know, and, and this will probably give you insight too into why the back went for me later in life. I had a hairline stress fracture at uh. that time. So I had a predisposition, I had some weakness in that lower back from, you know, from the age of 18. And you probably had excessive range exactly. of motion, but not the strength. Hyper flexibility, in that so motion. hyper range. Yeah. And so, you, you had know, the strength, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so that's what it, that's what it happened. It was yeah. about creating, you know, the infrastructure that supported those, you know, mechanisms and in particular, you know, my hips, my lower back and, mm. and, you know, create strength in, in the stabilizers. Um, that's what I had to go do. So anyway, in doing it, I just honestly fell in love with this, process that I saw this return on quite quickly because it was a very new response. So it was a new stimulus. Whenever you're going into the gym and you've never lifted weights before, you're going to grow and I'm very jealous of all of you out there right now, way faster than I would because you know you get that first time. Oh, it's incredible that response you get at the start. Oh my gosh, right. Yeah, unbelievable. Like you grow like a weed. It's amazing yeah. to watch. And so I had that. And that is addictive. It's like, it's, yep. honestly, it's like a drug. Like you're just like you're hooked. The and results are just so addictive, aren't they? Yeah, and it just it's happened so fast. The results are so significant at the start, mm-hmm. right? But Absolutely. so you're, it was because of an injury. So you started doing it to build strength and maybe yeah, mobility exactly. or whatever it was to rehab the injury. But um, did, were you driven at the start of this process? Like, what was the main driver? When you said you started getting addicted to the results and started them, um, you know, chasing it and enjoying it more. Were you more addicted to the physical side of it in terms of how you looked or, or how you felt or was it a combination of the two? Probably definitely a combination of the two, I think. You know, yeah. like I think more than anything, I, I got hooked on on the numbers that were able to be increased over time with strength-based, you know, um, and performance-based goals, more, firstly and foremost, more so the physical. And then I guess, you know, out of that then, you know, you really start to see your shape changing. Mm. And yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely say that there was a lot more confidence that comes once you sort of feel like you have this you know, um, far more enhanced physique and, mm. and you really do, you know, back, in, you know, back when I started, it was in that era of, you know, flat bums were best and everyone was skinny and, you know, seriously like skinny jeans were the thing that was in. Now mm. I look at everything and I'm like, unless it's a pair of Freddies that can mold over these gods, mm. I'm not even interested. And if I think I've lost an inch off my ass, I'm crying. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I love that. I love I'm that. Upset. The day and age we're in like, now, yeah. Please tell me my butt looks big in this because mm. if you don't, I'll probably backhand mm. you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing how it's changed now and like yeah, um, sustainable so health and kind of like health is all, almost becoming cool now, which is great, absolutely, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, look, I guess, you know, for me, sport was always a massive thing so I was I was never not in that realm but but moving into a space where you know you were changing your physique outside of the norm too I was probably always a little bit anti-conformist so it was probably a little bit of that as well but mm. yeah I love that I loved I loved the thickening of the physique in different ways that you know the sports I was playing wasn't mm. necessarily you know going to do that you know mine mm. was my, all, my sport was really slighter frame type mm. stuff so this was really outside the box but I, yeah I loved it and once I knew I couldn't dance anymore that was it you know I had to pursue something else and I just yeah threw everything I had heart heart and soul into it. Yeah, and I've, I've never looked back. You know, look, I um I went on to open up several small 
performance facilities over the course of the time that I was still in corporate. So I actually went to university, did my my, my degrees, my masters in, in corporate and in business. I had still been pursuing and studying this and had this as my hobby business on the mm. side, but I've done this my whole life. You mm. know, I just decided finally when it was, and you're, it's funny you said that about how you know fitness is becoming a more mainstream thing and it's becoming the cool thing, right? When it when it when I identified that it actually had a market that was definitely not something to be laughed at anymore, mm. that was the day that I decided that I could go into my hobby business full time without being laughed at. Mm. Because for the first, you know, sort of six years that my business, which is tw- nearly twelve years old now, this this entity that I'm working in, for the first six years of its life, I didn't put it on any of my social platforms, mm. and I never wrote that I, that I had it on my LinkedIn because. Mm. I just didn't think I'd get taken seriously in the corporate world for having those those you know those interests and mm. and or having those businesses. I thought I'd be laughed at. Whereas mm. now, I think I feel like I laugh at anything yeah. you know, that I did previously in the corporate world. But I'm like, man, you couldn't put me in that rat race and those three piece suits and, and stockings anymore because I just couldn't live that lifestyle mm. anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's not something you were passionate about. No, it. that's mm. exactly right. I just was not as passionate about it mm. at all. And. You know, for me, when when you could see that this was, you know, something that that I could step into and actually really start to make a difference in, then mm. there was no looking back. I had to go Amazing. into this full time. You know. Yeah. Have you done um, personal training as well? And have you done like one to one stuff? Yeah. Look, I did that for a lot of a, a lot of my earlier career. I worked. I worked with fitness first only ten, twelve years. There we go. That's why I wanted to come to you because yeah. uh, what I wanted to talk about. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to double check that just in case I uh, yeah. I shot you down because um. What I've what I've found is like more and more um, people. Everyone's an online coach now. Yeah. Like every every time they can Harry now, right? Dishing out nutrition. They do one show and dishing out nutrition, uh, you know, plans and stuff. But the way I've looked at it is like I personally think unless you've been training people for at least at least I would say four or five years, you have no place being an online correct. coach, right? Correct, correct. It's because you need to be able to deal with the nuances of the client on the floor. You need mm-hmm. to be able to have you know um, a really keen eye too for picking up you know biomechanical imbalances and just things that might not be moving properly in their in their lifts. Yes, through, it, you, you'll, you'll pick it up just by looking at them. So then when it comes time to do their online check in and they're sending you in their photos, you're going to pick up those things mm-hmm. because you know that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, definitely. Have, yeah. You had that on the floor. Yes, um, and you've had that screens. visual, and you can Correct. see the imbalances. And Correct. you don't see them. And questions as well. Like sometimes exactly. asking them certain questions is just different altogether. Mm-hmm. How do you know what questions to ask them for a start? Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and that's exactly right. You also then get to know, you know, um, the psychology of, of, you know, a person's journey too. Because fitness isn't just about moving, going to a gym and moving weights around. You know, you, you've got to consider the individualization of every single person that comes across your, you know, your floor. Mm. And there's so many variables to that person. There, you know, what's their lifestyle like? What are their preferences like? Mm. What are their limitations? What are their challenges? What is their schedule like? Like, you know, are they are they a shift worker or not? And then with each of those individualisms come, you know, so many variables that you've got to work around to be able to get them to perform or adhere or um, be engaged in the process and commit to that journey of change, right? So I think unless you've gone through all of the ups and downs and highs and lows and roller coaster ride that you experience on that floor-based um, format with a client, then you just still you lose a connection on the, mm. on the online. You can't build the connection online, mm. and then how can you make the change? Mm. Like how how can you get someone entrenched in that process? Definitely. When you don't have the face to face because then you don't even have the ability to converse with them. That's right, and communicate. And That's why you have to be an, yes. an excellent communicator. I you think really to be a really good coach, like it doesn't matter. So you get lots of these kind of like um, people online who who like you know they they know their stuff and they've got loads of degrees and and to be fair they you know their knowledge is up there but when it comes to communicating you have to be excellent at communicating because the average person doesn't understand what I don't know the depression of the scapula means when you're doing a deadlift you just say pull your shoulders back and down lift your chest up you know these like simple cues where you just know you got to know how to communicate and that was just a, a weird example but I wanted to talk to you about um, also about the you know, the, the side of like body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff uh, that people yeah. deal with. Because obviously you've been, I always say this, but, you know, ha- haven't been critiqued against, you know, some of the finest physiques on the planet. I had a chat with, you know, James Alexander Ellis? Yeah, yeah. I had, had him in here yesterday. So we talked about this, but um, you must have uh, gone through like um, different stages and chapters because you said, you know, it sounds like you started lifting weights for, you know, for the right reasons. Really, You were already focused on strength and numbers, which is what I wish most people would focus on because the performance and how you feel health-wise and stuff is the, the best markers, I would say, as opposed to just purely being focused on how you look because that can be a, a slippery slope. But, yeah, how did you get on with your journey yeah. in that realm? 
I think um, I think you really hit the nail on the head there where you said it's a slippery slope, and it really is because, you know, I find that in this in this journey for a lot of women in particular, and I'm not going to say it doesn't happen with men because it definitely does, mm. but the women tend to be, you know, the thing that we see more prevalent in, in this sort of situation is that they have this um, thing about defining their self-worth based upon, you know, a set of numbers, and those numbers, you know, are either going to be what's on the scale or if they're in, you know, a powerlifting competition, it might be what numbers they're lifting from the floor, you know. And we see it, we see it happen all the time. And in particular, when it becomes about the scale, though, it becomes a really, really, really um, self-destructive process because, you know, these scales can fluctuate. If mm-hmm. you're in a process of recomposition, then you're going to be gaining lean tissue, and you're going to actually perhaps go up or plateau in, in weight before you're coming down. It depends on the phase you're in. It depends on, you know, how much sleep you're getting, how much stress you've got, whether your sodium, like where your sodium levels are at. I mean, mm. there's so many things that can create variations on those scales every single day of minus or positive of three kilos. Why would you define your entire worth about what that little number reflects? You know mm. what I mean? But it happens. And, you know, I think that then there becomes that, that process of restriction and, you know, compensation of, well, if I do this today, I'm just going to work it out tomorrow and I'm going to I'm gonna go train and run for, you know, however long to mm. mitigate what I've just eaten because I've eaten that because I'm not happy with myself because the scales didn't reflect that or, you know, it's mm. it's horrible and it's, and it's a harsh, it's a harsh reality, but we're mm. seeing a lot of it. And what, and what we see when we start to see disordered eating is that disordered eating, you know, isn't necessarily always just about, you know, starvation even. It can be about the thoughts about eating, the mm. anxiety they get about, you know, prepping or not prepping. It can be about, you know, the way they're viewing themselves. It can be about, you know, the, um, I guess the pressure they're putting on themselves with regards to, you know, social situations. They might be, you know, hiding themselves from social situations. I mean, there are so many things that, you know, sort of show the format of someone suffering from disordered eating. It's not just about, you know, restriction alone or, or um, you know, starvation. There's it, so many cues. But it's it's sad and I see it a lot. And I think first and foremost what I say to anyone is this, you know, if you're, if you're feeling that way or you know you've got some of those behaviours and, you know, some of the things we've talked about even just strike a bit of a chord with you, then I think that it's time to have a look at some of the reasons behind those feelings, you know, not looking at the validation externally for a specific number on a scale to, to give you the, the answer because it's not, it's never found there. It's, mm. in, it's in much deeper stuff, you know. Mm. It's And I always urge my, my clients to get to really the why, you know, the why they're doing things, the what makes them happy, the, you know, why they why they even feel like they need someone else's, you know, approval in the first place. Mm. Um, and then start looking at some of those things and those triggers that, that can send them down those separate slopes mm. because it usually comes back to such deeper stuff than just, you know, mm. that number that they put everything on. Definitely, yeah. And how did you take that? Talking about character building, how did you take it when obviously your first few shows you did with the, at the Federation – um, and just regardless of that, I guess, when you've been told this area and that area needs to be mm-hmm. developed more and this needs to be improved and that needs to improve, right? Sure, because for me personally, when I, I, I didn't take it very well. I'm not going to lie. So I, um, I did my first show and I came second. I didn't even know anything really about nutrition and stuff then. Then I done the British finals and I didn't, didn't place anywhere. And I was just like angry afterwards, like, come on, what's wrong with these? I just didn't take it very well. I was acting, acting up. And then um, I'd done another few shows, didn't place. And um, yeah, it just, it hurts. I was like, wow, put all that work in. Yeah. And then like, it felt like the guys who, whose physique wasn't as good as mine, but they had certain other things like their posing was better yeah. and whatnot. And I just thought, wow, like, um, and I was just being like a little cool about it, basically. And then when I started doing WBFF at that point, I built more resilience and I felt yeah. like I developed my character more. So talk to us a little bit more about the resilience and stuff that you've had to develop. Yeah, I think you definitely need to because you are looking essentially at yourself and picking yourself apart in, mm. in a sense, you know, every mm. single show. And um, and look, I start doing it about now. So mm. I don't wait till stage and I don't wait till post-stage and I don't wait for the outcome on the stage. Mm. I'm already critically and constructively doing it to myself prior mm. so that then by the time I get to stage I don't really think that there's anything anyone could say to me that would upset me because I'm mm. already anticipating what I think are going to be my zones anyway mm. um and I have just a mindset of continual 
progression. Like, mm. and I'm a big believer that, you know what, I'm never going to be perfect, mm. but I'm going to strive to be the best version of myself. And that's all that really matters. Mm. So, you know, for me, I think the understanding that perfection is never going to come makes it sort of easier to understand that there's always going to be stuff to work on. Mm. And then, and then I actively look out for it, you know, and I'm actually, I've reframed it now. And instead of it being something where I think my first year I was a bit like, Wow, man, like, wow, so much stuff to do. Whereas now I'm like, I'm excited by it. And, and that's actually for, and this is going to sound, you know, paradoxical, but it's true. If I did not have anything more to improve upon, I will no longer win a world title. Mm. End of story. Yeah. Someone's going to beat me. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, so it. I look at every single time I get on stage and I see a room for improvement as a, a very exciting mm. thing because it means I've still got years in me. Mm. You know, I've still got the opportunity and the, and the potential to continue to keep winning in me mm. because I can keep improving. As long as I can mm. match the, the gap and bring it up, then, mm. you know, which I know I'll always do because I yeah. know that my work ethic's there. I know that my application's there. I know that... I'm a practitioner of my craft, so I don't have to worry about that. Mm. As long as I'm not being, you know, um, unrealistic about yeah. what I'm setting out to do, I'll attain it. So for me, that, that I find it is an exciting thing, and I think the mm. resilience comes because I have the capacity to have self-awareness about, you know, myself, but then also to reframe it, you know. And I mm. think if you're in a situation where you feel like you are being judged like that, maybe try to look at it that way. Maybe instead of it being a potential negative with the things you're not yet, you know, be able to look at it and go, yeah, but these are the things that make me me and these are my hallmark strengths. I'm going to play those right up, but mm. then I'm just going to continue to get even better in these other zones. Yeah. And if I now love those, plus I'm awesome over here, then that's just going to make me pretty exceptional at the end of the day. Mm. And I think, you know, if you, if you can look at it like that rather than pulling yourself apart only mm. from the point of view of lack of less than mm. not enough, I think you have a better frame set mm. about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you have that? Uh, mindset at the start have you always been quite confident within yourself ever since you started competing and yeah yeah look i i have actually i've you know i'm like everyone else though like uh, this the caveat to this yes incredibly confident about my abilities i know what i'm capable of and i know that you know i know that i can continue to be at the top for a long time no issues with saying that but i definitely am like everyone else i have kryptonite and i do have moments of doubt and you mm. do have i do have the comp brain moments and martin you know what it's like yep. when you'll be looking at yourself and you'll be like two weeks out and you're in the mirror and you're going nah there's jiggling there that's, that's it. not tired yeah, yeah, exactly. oh, it's a constant battle you look constant at yourself battle. you look at the photo pictures after the show and, and you're like oh my god that was flawless <laughs> i was dice yeah i was shredded, shredded. Like veins everywhere what exactly. was I, doing about? I have this one picture right Last, no, actually, the Worlds before last, we're 2017 Worlds in, in the UK. Christos and I always practice, well, we couldn't last year because I couldn't do my posing until midnight out, mm. right? But normally we practice my posing in peak week and I, I gave him to video me and then we watch the video back. So, yeah, not last year, year before last was the last time we could do this. And on this one day, we're about three days out from the show and I remember saying to him, because he would chuck, chuck little snippets of it up on Instagram and mm -hmm. socials just basically as a little feeder of what, what we were bringing to stage. Mm -hmm. Anyways, one day I was like, no, you cannot, you cannot post that. My ass is dribbling. I'm not happy. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, Martin, I go back and look at now. I had a full hamstring time. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? What it's was crazy. I yeah, because you're fragile mentally, as you said earlier, because your, your brain doesn't want to be there. Oh it's, it's doing everything in its power to get you out of that yeah. position. And then it's hard to stay, especially at that point, to stay really positive because yeah. you, you get to breaking point towards the end, don't you? And, but, and you, don't, you just don't see things as they are. You know, your no. perception can become very warped and you've been inside your body every day critically analyzing yourself and I think it becomes very hard then to be objective mm. and so you know yeah I find that even now I have little days mm. little moments here and there they're fleeting though because you're yeah. so like you can like I say my self-awareness is really good so I can pick myself up mm. and I know I've done it I'm like I'm being an idiot I'm moving on yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but at the start early in my career that was much harder to do and mm. I definitely have more of those moments but now no now mm. not as much but I still get them but just not as much mm. yeah interesting so yeah when I first started training I was was doing it because basically I was really enjoying it and I, as you said you know that like that heyday when you first start lifting weights and you just stack the muscle on and you just literally you get addicted mm -hmm. and then obviously my journey took a bit of a um, you know a different turn then I started competing and then I started getting more attached to the aesthetics and I was driven by aesthetics a bit more um, than the health side of it I've always been connected with how it makes me feel mentally. Obviously, you always leave the gym uh, feeling much better than what you did when you walked in pumped, the endorphins are, are rushing and all sorts. But yeah, um, a lot of people in this day and age, especially with the uh, the Instagram world, 
they're driven purely by how they look, right? Mm-hmm. So they look in the mirror. Like I get people come to me online and there's a trainer and they're, they're, a lot of the time they're not happy with certain areas. They want to work on certain areas and improve certain parts of their body, right? So what advice would you give to people to, you know, because you said about the why. The why is so important with anything in life, right? So um, how do you go about that with people? Look, I actually get them to look at the body as a you know, performance vehicle. So you mm. know, we, we sort of, you know, pull it back and instead of it being something where it's a particular body part, we look at the sum of the parts mm. and we start to look at, you know, okay, how is the infrastructure itself you know, currently placed because mm. usually, especially, okay, if we say for a female and they're wanting to work glutes and they, they're, they're training, 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 their glutes aren't activating properly, they're never actually going to grow them. Mm. So then we start looking at, well, okay, from a foundation point of view, is everything working right? Are we biomechanically sound? You know, is there any imbalances? What do we need to look at firing? Do you have any weak zones? And we start building the, I call them the foundations mm. then of creating this performance vehicle. And then, you know, we start creating goals that are not necessarily just about the aesthetic. Like mm. I try to get them checking in on and within themselves checkpoints that are you know milestones that are not just about the physical because mm. you know as we've talked about before it can become a very slippery slope if you're mm. defining yourself only by an outcome or a number on the scale or a you know, particular look so I, I like to try to get them to focus on those things and also you know the journey that you've got to go on to get there so if we're going to build the you know the body part itself understanding it's not going to happen overnight it doesn't mm. happen with one round of you know, lifts and it definitely doesn't happen from one four-week program. It's going to happen over the course of time, mm. you know. So, you know, right. I, I definitely think you've got to be realistic. You've got to set realistic expectations. But you've got to make sure the body's moving right mm. because a lot of the times if someone's got a lagging body part, it's because they're not actually training it correctly. That's right. The connection to the muscle, the my muscle, muscle connection. not yeah. there. They're actually not lifting it. They've got a secondary muscle group that's taking mm. over from a primary lift. They're, you know, they're, they've got a dominant body, you know, mm. body part that's basically not allowing it to even activate. Like, mm. so then you've got to start peeling back and correcting mm. certain things, and then you've got to start firing up and turning on certain things, and then you, you know, can turn mm. turn turn it all on together. But mm. but I find that yeah, it's it's you've got to start at the beginning, break it back, look at the foundation Mm. and then build upon that. But I still think it's really important that you've got them focused on. And I like to do this with my guys and girls, um, you know, goals that are both, yes, the body part we're working, but then performance based. So, you know, if we're, if we know that we've got to work, um, you know, the glutes and we're, we're working out, how to activate them and where you know we've got a series of, of compounds one might be you know the thrust as well as the squat and the dead then it's you know working out where how we're going to progressively load those what that's going to look like mm-hmm. and get them chasing you know the progression inside the session yes. rather than just the outcome of the physical the performance yeah the performance space definitely yeah. yeah i think it's super important mm. and you mentioned about the other markers as well like you said you you prioritize um sleep which mm. is obviously something i always talk about is number one i'd say it's the foundation for everything because without you know having good quality sleep everything else kind of goes to shit in a way anyway yeah. so um yeah so it's, it's paying attention to the other markers like how you sleep in you know how's your energy levels how's your skin all these things are, are good market markers of you know optimal health right so um i think as you said about performance and that is um some advice i give to people is, is just to really focus on and i think one of the main benefits from lifting weights is the um is is connecting with your body i yeah. think for example like you said then when you really i, I would say it's at least 70 80 percent psychological lifting weights you know because you see people in the gym and they're just doing reps 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 and they're not you can see they're not focused on technique at all but if you get like for example when you start doing squats again um and you, you got a decent amount of uh, weight on your back to do a squat you know yeah. you have to channel in and you have to connect with your body so i think that's one of the main benefits is, is connecting with your body yeah. with lifting weights and um yeah so i was gonna say in you know we're, we're coming towards the end now but um I was going to say, do you have any um, any advice for the listeners who are just looking? Because you said you've been lifting weights for eighteen years, right? I've been at it for about sixteen, seventeen. So, um, you know, just just for the listeners, you know, like it's it doesn't happen overnight, right? Yeah, so, no. yeah, I think it's funny because I think everyone always looks at you and goes, "Oh, she's just become a success overnight, like literally just come out of nowhere." And I'm like, "No, mm. my business is twelve years running. You know, I've been lifting weights for eighteen years. I've been a competitive athlete and a professional athlete now for six nearly, and a competitive athlete for." You know, over half my life. Yeah, so consistency sports. is important. So consistency <laughs> and understand it takes time. You yeah. know, like you do not develop big, thick muscle bellies overnight. You do not develop the maturity in muscle that creates the conditions to have those striations mm. in your legs and everywhere else mm. overnight. It happens with time. Yeah, definitely. You know, and especially if you're a natural athlete, it takes a long time. So, yeah. you know, like I think people just need to, yeah, really understand that it's, 
It's something that, that is going to require hard work, mm. consistency, and honestly, patience. Patience, you know, yeah, that's a big else. one, isn't it? Absolutely. Definitely. I'd always say they're the main three, patience, discipline, and consistency, yeah. but it's falling in love with the process. I think Definitely. it's like anything in life. You know, you come across people who are billionaires, and they're miserable, right? Well, I haven't come across those people. Don't get me wrong. I'm not living no, that they, life, but you know what I mean? They, they're, uh, they're definitely out there. And because look, they're I, chasing that end goal, but they realize then, oh, actually. I even see people inside the fitness industry. I even see mm. professional athletes where I'm like, wow, you know, like, ugh, I think you've done this for all the wrong reasons. Like, you know, this isn't your joy. You're not mm. living, you're not living your purpose when you're doing this and it really probably should have just stayed a hobby for some mm. of them but but you know and i find that you know, i find it sad because again mm. it's just that whole trying to do something that fits inside of you know conforming to a stereotype right mm. whereas i think that in anything if you can find your true passion in it then that's where you'll find the best success mm. the fastest results mm. the most you know um fulfillment and you know, fitness is no different. So mm. it doesn't have to be about a stage for you. It could be about going and doing CrossFit. It could be about going and doing MMA or Jiu-Jitsu. It could mm. be about, you know, going running. You could become the next marathoner, like yeah, yeah. whatever it is. But find it. You could be a yogi and mm. just be loving every single day doing it. And that's still going to be giving you a life of optimal health. I think so. purpose, because they've done studies recently. I'm not thinking I'm going to try and quote these studies, but there was one done in, in Japan recently. I don't know exactly how they've done these, but they – um, they found that the people who admitted to having like more purpose in their life, whether that's having kids, that's another one as well. They found people who had kids tend to live a longer, healthier life because mm-hmm. that's an extreme version of like purpose in your life, yeah. right? Um, but they find that you know people who have purpose um, tend to, you know, like the blue zones. I don't know if you've yeah. mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah they, they all seem to have that purpose, right? So that's an important thing you were saying about fulfillment, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and look, and I think, you know, as I said before, that's what led me to leave, you know, the corporate realm and come into this full time because, you know, this really was for me where I found it was my blue zone. Like it was one hundred percent, you know, like my that. my passion, my purpose and, and where I found Zen, you know. Mm. And and I think a lot of the times the things that you think you should be doing in life aren't necessarily things that you bring that bring you the most joy. You yeah, know? that's it. That's right. And I've been lifting weights for, like I said, 16 years in terms of training. You've been doing it for 18 years, right? So um, where was I going to go with that? And I kind of lost my train of thought. It's like I'm just trying to brag now. No, um, no I was, was going to say. Feel, I just feel like all of a sudden we, we sound really old. I know, I know. I know, really I'm like, young. where did that time go? I was like I was 15 when that happened. No, but obviously we've done it naturally, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, this day and age now, there's um, a lot of people taking performance enhancing stuff, yeah. right? Um, what we just quickly before we wrap it up, we've got um, you know one or two more things. But um, how? What's your experience with people who have uh, gone onto the dark side? Especially, you know, I've come across women. I've had to kind of help them rebuild metabolism and stuff like that from where they've overdone yeah um certain things and look i think i think we'd be foolish to believe that it's not there because it, it's actually you know incredibly mainstream now almost mm. which mm. is you know it's so different to what it was when i first started same, like, same I, like different I, world i had to learn it was like learning a whole nother freaking language to understand what people were talking about and actually yeah. funny story it just happened to me yesterday paulo and i were in the car and paulo asked me something and i've gone i have no idea what that is let me google it and it was and it it was it was a performance enhancing you know substance and I'm like oh my god okay well we're just both learning it was, it was yeah, that's so it. there's funny. so many out there now see and you hear of all these random words exactly exactly yeah. and it was that process of like holy wow like there's just there's so much we don't know but look I'm I, I'm at that place where I used to be so anti it wouldn't even you know wouldn't dream of coaching anyone that was on it blah 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 and then I got to the point where I was like. I'm an idiot if I believe that the rest of the planet is going to be natural for no, life exactly. because they're not. Exactly. So, so I had to get to this place where I was like, right, I'm going to be that mother that lets their kids drink as long as they're inside the house and I've bought the alcohol so I know what they're doing, who's here, and they're safe. You know, so it was like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, if you're all if – and they're not all doing it. I'd probably say maybe 10 20% in total mm. that I've got at any point in time throughout our team that want mm. to And that's, that's that women, women as well, obviously, it's, yeah. It's Pro- men, all, men and women. Men, men and women, yeah. And so, do you think it's worse for women to take it generally? Like, it, or is it depending how I, sensibly you do it? I, I think I think it all comes down to that, right? So my yeah. biggest thing was when I became that mother hen of, right, you're all going to – you're going to drink safely inside of my premise. It was a case of, right, you're going to the doctor and you're getting your blood work done. Yeah, That's yeah, right, yeah. first and foremost. And then secondly, you're going to be dealing with said doctor or a professional in, what you're, in what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. because there's so much shady backdoor stuff. That it's like it's quite scary, right? Mm-hmm. So the process of that, I think, you know, look, my preference is always that people are probably erring on the side of caution when it comes to this stuff. Mm. But 
definitely, 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 if you're going to go down that route, be safe and be mm. tested and see a specialist and, you know, do it with informed mm. decision-making. Mm. Don't be like me and Googling a car to find out what the hell something is. Yeah, like, exactly. What the hell is You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't, and don't, don't Google something and be like, okay, now I know everything about it because yeah. guess what? You have no, no freaking idea. Never, never trust a Google, man. Never trust a Google, man. It's dangerous. Google is not an endocrinologist, okay? Yeah, so, exactly. like, maybe go see someone. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, uh, one more thing then, I guess. I just wanted to talk about uh, mental health quickly mm-hmm. and just, just health in general, overall wellness, and, and a little bit on aesthetics as well. Just what you do, because obviously you mentioned gratitude and, and meditation. I always talk about that on the podcast. Gratitude is something I, I swear by. Meditation is yeah. something I dip in and out of, and I kind of use the breathing techniques to help me when I'm stressed. But yeah. what do you do to uh, keep on top of your mental health and keep um, – yeah, and any any re- recommendations you have? Because I'm guessing, I'm guessing you've come across people who have suffered with mental health because it's, it's an epidemic right definitely. now. So any tips you have? Definitely, great. definitely. And you know the irony of this right now is the fact that I just finished going on my social media and my Instagram. Oh, yeah, I saw that earlier. I wanted to bring that up yeah. actually. Yeah, and talk to us. talked about the fact that I have never suffered depression before ever, and I don't like to label things – I don't like when people get behind that label and everything in life is about that and that's who they are mm. because it's it's not something that's not curable and no. it's not something that's, you know, not some – you can work through those things, yeah. right? And so me being self-aware, pulled myself up within two weeks. Um, it's literally only been the last two and a half, three weeks, right? So immediate thing was, okay – there's actually something going on. I'm feeling flat and I'm feeling down. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt down before. But I had to turn to my fiance and be like, okay, we need to like we need to just sit down and have a chat because mm. like I don't really know what's going on yeah. and, and I'm feeling these are things mm. I'm feeling. So right. since you never felt down before, what you mean is yeah, this this yeah. down, you mean this low. Yeah, no, yeah okay. no, actually like and this is gonna sound corny, but actually never felt down. I've really? actually never had wow. a period in my life where I've been like Bluesy. All oh, right, so you've had your bad day and stuff, and I, not I, long I, periods. I, I, like, anyway, I have a bad day. Yeah, that's all right then. I have road rage. Like, come on. <laughs> but, but like, I've never had. I've just never had. I've never had the blues. I've never had. Um, I've never had melancholy. I've never had um, a period where I've lost um, socialization and felt antisocial, or mm-hmm. I felt like I can't connect, or like I just don't even want to be on my social media. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I've never felt that before. So my immediate thing when this happened in the last two or three weeks, when it when it has happened, was okay. Is this prep related? Is this to do with me going into a deficit? How's my energy balance? What am I looking at? So I looked at, you know, we did the numbers and we checked everything out. No, it's not any of those things. So then my my next thing is, okay, what's, is it, is it something that's maybe related to gut health? Is it something that I'm eating? Is it, am I sensitive to something? Am I stressed? Mm. And is it an unobserved, unidentified level of stress? Mm. Is there pressure or stress that I'm, that I'm just not really aware of subconsciously mm. going on? Um, is there a workload issue? Which there's not because I've actually tapered back. So so when I'm addressing these things in conversation now, it's probably for the listeners to take home. These are things I'd be looking at. So if you are feeling a little oppressed or overwhelmed, start looking at these things. Okay, can I can I adjust my work schedule? Is it a work schedule problem? Is it a personal problem? Is it in a relationship context? Is there a disconnect for me somewhere and I'm feeling not connected, mm. which then makes me feel a little unstable. Mm. Is there, is, am I well nutritioned? Are my calories right? Am I overtraining? Am I under eating? Mm. Those are the next things. And then lastly for me, which is what I think it came down to, was a point of I have started to forget to do my parasympathetic stuff because I've been so busy in life. Wow. So, so by that you me, mean the gratitude and meditation yes. stuff? Wow. So I turned around and I was like, right, you know what? I haven't been doing these things for like six weeks. And... It's been six weeks, but in a point where all of a sudden I've had an adjustment in my life where calories have come down. We've, I've, you know, I'm doing my graduate diploma in performance nutrition, so you know the the high stakes and and really heavy levels of study, and then you know managing my team and doing my own prep and you know just everything going on, right? So I think at all of those points in time, the one thing my body probably needed was to have those parasympathetic inputs that are calming the central nervous system, which is then putting me in an ability to respond and cope to things better day to day. Because these little things we're about to talk about, like the things I do in the morning, walking the chocolates, I meditate, I do um, I do the breathing techniques, um, and then I actually do at different times during the day, if I need to, you know, um, jump into something. It might be expressive writing just to get something out. If I'm so, I, I oh, journaling kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. so I'm really mm. big on, on responding, not reacting. So if I feel any kind of um, release in me that might mm. be a reaction, 
I just take myself away mm. from the situation. But that takes practice. Yeah. That comes from meditation and gratitude mainly, would you say? Yeah, okay. I give gratitude in the morning for the top three things I'm grateful for in the morning when I wake. But then I set the intention for the next day too at the end of the night where I'll actually give gratitude for the things that happened in that day. Mm. So you know what's made me smile in the day. Something as simple as that, yeah. you know, actually has a, a great benefit. But then the things I've learned in the day or the things that I'm, you know, um, probably most grateful that I've had exposure to, mm. you know, that perhaps might be new for me. So that might be a challenge. Yeah. So the other thing is when I talk about reframing, it's looking at something that might be difficult that you've been able to turn into a positive too. Mm. And this is the thing, right? I, Deception, I've gone, isn't it? I've gone through six weeks of not doing that. So not channeling my six weeks wow, a long time into positives, right? Yeah. I, and I'm used to doing that. So I think so interesting that. So so for the last three days, I've just been straight back into those um, habits. I've got my habit track on my phone. I've got my gratitude journal on my phone. Guys, you can you can download these things. There's apps for this. Mm. So you know, don't feel like everything is in your phone. We're always all on our phone. Why not instead of scrolling mindlessly and num- numbly yeah. through a feed that does not fill your soul, mm. why don't you go into something that does mm. and start looking at a ritual or a meditative state or a podcast or a journal that feeds you, right? Yeah. So I just didn't give back to myself enough in the last, you know, six weeks. And I think that it's, I've, I've paid a little, I've paid a little bit for that, you know, like I've, Absolutely. My, yeah, body's gone, should, it? my body's gone, I'm going to drop you down a gear and yeah. put you on your ass. It's a signal, isn't it? Lifting me up. Definitely. So, Think about your hormone yeah. journey because like it's been proven with meditation. It changes like the gray matter in the brain and the serotonin levels increase yeah. and the cortisol. So your, your stress hormones are probably through the roof and now obviously you've, you've maybe have balanced it out now. So yeah, goes to well, show, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'm definitely working on it. And even just in the last three days, I can already feel you know a shift. Mm. So I, I, you can't discount these things. They're, they're amazing. And I think you know people will go, I can't meditate, it's too hard. Yeah, that's because it's a skill mm. that's, that's built over consistent application. Yep, just like building your body, you've got to, you've got to train your mind. It's the most important tool, isn't it? Yeah. We talked before, preparation for a show, it's mental, not physical. Train your mind. Yeah. If you want to be a champion, train your mind. If you mm. want to be able to create change in your body and in your in your, in your, your life, mm. train your mind. Mm. Feed your soul. How long do you spend meditating? Last question. Now. Literally, anyone else starting out should do two to five minutes max. Yeah, that's what I do. That's all you should do, right? I go for 10-minute bursts, and then at night I actually have, um, especially when I've got a busy mind or if there's a heavy workload on with my study, I'll put on, there's a couple of guys download an app called Breathe, B-R-E-E-T-H-E. It's amazing. There are actually um, sleep hypnosis ones that are wow. phenomenal, and they're 30 minutes to, a, to an hour long. I fall asleep in them. Wow. I put, put, my, put my AirPods on, and I'm, I'm snoring. <laughs> I go with the show. That's amazing. That's, that's awesome. Some great tips there. Yeah, the only thing I do regret about this podcast is um, is actually not getting a spray tan beforehand because I'm looking at I'm looking at the video. I'm thinking I might just delete this video. I just look so white. It's just a joke. And <laughs> look, look I'll flick it back over to Alicia. Look how brown she's compared to me. It's this, not fair. This is me white. Me. This is me white. <laughs> He's like, okay, you can go now. Yeah, no, I'm done. Now, awesome. It's time to go and get a steak then. Now with our partners. Yes. yes? Let's call yes. it a day. Thanks a lot for your time, Alicia. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mum. Thanks for having me on. Thanks.